Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, November 29, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a ton of stuff on the docket today. We're going to look at a variety of different charts. Different markets are telling us different things. Different charts are telling us different things. We're going to uncover some stuff that nobody else is apt to show you on a chart. We're going to discuss how this thing works. We're going to dig a little deeper than we did in the weekend video. The first thing we're going to do is see what's jumping off the page at us on the daily chart, and we'll work backwards from there. Let's look at the big picture. We had the big down day on Friday. I contend that there was some damage done to the market it really opens up the concept of there are air pockets in this market and if sellers come out of the woodwork and certain numbers get breached on the south side or on the downside, there's a lack of buyers creating an air pocket. There are other air pockets in this market. But what's going on right now? Is it a dead cat bounce? Or did we have a bona fide low on Friday and now they're going to run up and make new highs again? Well, let's get something out in the open. Anything is possible. My belief is we won't necessarily see new highs, but it doesn't matter what I believe. If, in fact, the market begins getting above certain areas, then new highs get put on the table. We'll see how things unfold. A down day of 120 S&P handles, give or take, isn't necessarily an anomaly. It's something... We've seen before, and they're generally not necessarily one-day wonders. Sometimes they can be. I contend this one is not. Time will tell. They raced back up today to run a test of two areas. The 20-period moving average on the daily chart, which obviously is an important spot. They've been above the 20-period moving average and riding it for about six weeks. They tested it. They broke below. They tried to rally back up to it and filled the daily chart gap. There are other gaps that exist from an intraday perspective, but they filled a gap on the daily chart, ran a test of the 20-period moving average, pulled back, and that's it. We don't need to make a federal case out of it. It's not necessarily ultra or uber bullish. It's not necessarily ultra or uber bearish. It's just a bounce. We talk about trend, and we talk about trend morphing from shorter time frames onto longer time frames. For example, here's the 240-minute chart, and on Friday, they got below not only the 20-period moving average, but in addition, the 50-period moving average, and now they're sandwiched in between the two. We use these trend lines or moving averages as guidelines. Sometimes they're awareness. Sometimes when one of these is hit and it coincides with something else that's important to us, we create what's called a full stack. It can be and oftentimes does create a tradable opportunity. For the purposes of this explanation, we're using them as guidelines. We're talking about trend. We're talking about trend changing from shorter term charts to longer term charts. So we're going to run through some different time frames. Same thing on the 120-minute. All of a sudden, they're sandwiched in between a 100-period moving average and a 20-period moving average. 
they start dropping below the 100, it starts to pull the trend on this chart downward. Here's an hourly chart. What happens if they start getting below this 200 period moving average on the hourly chart? They start to pull the trend downward. They would be below all the moving averages. Conversely, what happens if they get above the convergence of the 50 and 100 period moving average on this hourly chart? Well, then it would open the door to fill this gap up here around 469, a little bit higher than that. And technically speaking, the trend would be your friend. And when you run back over the other charts and you find out where 469 would be, well, it would be above all the moving averages and we'd be back to there's nothing wrong with the market above all the moving averages. Back to the daily chart, they would be not far from and yet again pushing on the highs. It's not out of the question. Doesn't mean they'll make a new high. And remember, this is also an awareness. The market's job is to trick, trap, fool, and frustrate as many traders and investors as possible. So when you have a huge down day, it gets everybody bearish. People buy puts. They sell stuff. They get scared away. Then what happens? You get a snapback. They feel stupid. They buy back in. They cover the shorts. Buying begets buying. Panic buying sets in. That's what sharp rallies are made out of. And by the way, when the market does get into a corrective state, whether we're there or we will be there, the point is, when the market's in that state, your moves are sharp, high, wide, and deep. They're fast. Volatility expands. You get big swings in both directions. What's an example of that? Well, let's look at the low from Friday at 457.77. We'll call it 458 for argument's sake. What was the high today? 466 and a half. It's not quite a hundy, but it's getting close to 100 points or 10 points in the SPY, 100 S&P handles. That's a big swing in both directions. Don't forget, just the day before that, it was another 100-plus swing. This is not your father's Oldsmobile market anymore. What I mean by that is this, this creeping higher, creeping higher, creeping higher, is one kind of tape. 100-point swings back and forth is a different kind of tape. Now, if they jump back up and all of a sudden they start climbing again, then the character of the tape will have once again reverted back to what it was before. But we have to look at the market for what its feedback is giving us at present. Now, here's something that I want you to put on a sticky note. In the weekend video, we looked at the weekly chart. What we didn't do is look at all the weekly charts. I didn't discuss this in the weekend video because I didn't notice what I'm about to tell you until after the video. And then somebody else, one of you, brought it to my attention today. So I think it's video worthy. And we're going to give a member by the name of Kenny some props on this one. Doesn't matter whether I knew about it in advance. If I didn't tell you and you found out about it, that's good stuff. Good work. So here's what we're talking about. So I like break up candle lows, break down candle highs, and we go with when the market closes below one or above another, it's generally a flare up in the air. It generally has meaning. Nothing's 100%. There are no guarantees in the market, but we use the 80-20 rule. 
If something happens the majority of the time, around 80% of the time, using the duck concept, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's generally going to be a duck until those one or two times when it's not a duck. Well, here's the thing on this one. So the SPY weekly chart, we talked about the last weekly breakup candle low. 458.20 is the low. Now, the low last week happens to be 457.77, so they ran a test of the low, but they closed above the low of the prior week, or not the prior, but the breakup candle low week. In English, last week, they closed at 458.97. They spiked the low, they closed above it. That's important stuff. Close below it could be bearish, running a test, doesn't have to necessarily be all bullish, but it's certainly not as bearish as if they close below. The market takes steps at a time. Maybe it's one test and done and they go higher. Maybe they close below it in a subsequent week. We're watching. Since we looked at the SPY, why don't we look at the S&P E-mini futures? Here's the weekly chart. Here's the close of last week, 45.95.75. The low of the breakup candle low week is 45.86. The low last week, 45.77 and a quarter. They spiked it, they ran a test, and they closed above it. So from a weekly chart perspective, we're not ready to say bearish based on that information. There's bearish signals from other parts, other things, but just from that concept alone, they ran a test. Until you look at the SPX cash index. So here's the story. Let's be careful. The low, 45.9506, same week. The close, 45.9462. Again, low, 45.9506, closed below by a fraction. Are there any accidents or coincidences in the market? Is this a flare up in the air, or do the other two take precedent? We can't say definitively one way or the other. There's no way, no how. But this is an awareness. This is a puzzle piece and it's on the table. That's not an accident just by a fraction or less than a point. I'm not buying the coincidence story. Come on. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Inside the numbers. There's good stuff in here today. The numbers are important. You need to read this to learn stuff. I'm going to highlight some specific things I urge you to read this stuff, pause the video, go back to the charts to double check the work. If you're an existing Inside the Number member, this will help you going forward. It's like doing homework. It's like doing a review after the lesson. Each day is a lesson. If you're not an Inside the Number member and you're active with the S&P during the trading day or one of the like products, whether it's an exchange-traded product, options, futures. It doesn't matter. You can learn something here. This is a pretty good guideline or tool to have during the trading day. We had some early thoughts, zero dark 30 stuff. Do we have a dead cat bounce on our hands? All that stuff. Those are the early thoughts. Expansion of volatility, large swings in both directions. We're just setting the table, getting the right mindset going at zero dark 30. Some important numbers right out of the gate. We have 463.90. That's a gateway to higher stuff. And here's a 15 minute chart. Right at the vertical is 
the activity dating back to last week, because I want to include Friday. Why is that? Because here's a number. How about 463.90? That was the high until the market failed on Friday. Now, why am I pointing that out? Because the market told us that price was important. So for me, maybe it's a few cents over it. Maybe it's over 464. Maybe it's just short of 463.90, but I know that that spot is important because that's the feedback the market gave us from Friday. So I'm using that number again. We're gapping up. Are we going to get over that? It puts the market in no man's land. This is the stuff that you learn being an inside the number member because I'm giving it to you in the morning and all day, every day. So you can see what happened. They trade up into that area. They get rejected a little bit. And then they finally bust over that area. And we'll talk about where they came down to into the closing bell in a few minutes. You'll want to keep your sticky notepad available. Let me scroll down. You can read the rest of the morning activity or the pre-market morning action. Well, let's see what we have as the day gets underway. We'll let them go at the open. We have to get the lay of the land. As they got closer to the opening bell, we had a pre-market goose operation sending price higher. They were already going to gap up, but even closer to the opening bell, around 9 o'clock and beyond, they started goosing the market. Where's that spot of overhead resistance? 466 to 467.35. It's wide, but remember, wide swings in both directions. This is all before the bell, so expect adjustments and change in real time. 466 to 467.35 was the zone at 9.05 in the morning. How about right smack in the middle of that zone was around the high of day? It's good to know your numbers. We're moving along right after the opening bell. We're zeroed in on 463.90. Should be support on the way back down. They'll run some tests below for long. That's below 463.90 for long. And they'll run a spike of 462. Keep 462 on your radar screen. Put it on that sticky notepad. And remember, below 463.90 for long and much, and the door opens for a spike of 462. 9.33 a.m. Low of day happens to be 461.73. How you doing? And we're moving along. Read the notes. Pause the video. Go back to the charts to double check the work. There's more where that came from. 10.02. While things are quiet, running a test of the high of day or in the neighborhood is a likely scenario. Closing candles above is the real bullish scenario for another leg higher. At 10.02, let's go find out what the high of day was. Here we are. High of day was 464.60. That was 10.02. After they did the spike of 462, they rallied back up. Once they got above the high of day, they went to fill the daily chart gap. 466 and change cited in the pre-market commentary. We're moving along. Pause the video. Read the notes. Go back to the charts. This is the PhD part of what we're doing here. The foundation of how the markets work is taught lazy e-mini trader. The continuing education are these videos here, and then the PhD is found inside the numbers.
late morning, here's a just in case or if they were going to fall, there's your next buy zone. And I'll go back to the chart and explain that one. I would have loved to buy a spike of 462 here in this candle around 10 a.m. They didn't do it. They came up short and bounced away. When they came back, to me, it's not the same trade anymore, not the same number of importance. Even though it worked, it's not viewed, at least from where I sit, as the same trading opportunity. As we know from stocks on the move and from watching this over and over and over again, when they do that, sometimes they just keep falling. So what it really is doing is reducing the odds of the 80-20 rule. If they hit a spike of 462 without bouncing first, I would have said that's in the 80-20 camp. They're going to bounce under normal garden variety conditions. That's what was said. But all of a sudden, once they bounce ahead of it and come back to it, it's not the same 80-20 rule in my mind any longer. I've seen too many instances where that scenario is a failure. I want the highest probability trades I can find. So when they do that, I take a pass. The number was still important. You have to separate the important numbers for are they going to let you trade it at the important number. Those are two different things. Remember, everything here is sponsored by Trick and Company. They're the title sponsor. We're moving along, scrolling up, read the notes, go back to the charts to double check the work. Some more guideline stuff. We had a target of 464.60. They got to 464.60. What happens if they get over it? We have a new target, 466, right here. Again, read the notes, go back to the charts. They reached 466, it's overhead resistance, and it was in fact overhead resistance. And then what happened for the remainder of the afternoon is they basically went sideways until the end of the day when they came down a little bit. Here's an interesting one. Look at the 138 post. Getting below 465.50 on candle closes opens the door for more of a pullback maybe all the way to 464.25. Hmm, look what happened into the end of the day. This line is represented by 464.25. They didn't quite get there, but they got pretty darn close. Below, at the end of the day, was 464.34. You have to know your numbers. We're moving along. Read the notes. Go back to the charts to double-check the work. Stocks on the move. We were having a pretty hefty gap opening this morning, so... When that happens, it kind of leaves a lot of traders in the dust. Why is that? Because you don't get a lot of stocks that are moving down into a support zone, for example. Those are the ones that you want to trade early in the morning while the market's still in an uptrend. Stuff trading down into a support zone. At any rate, we only had two on the board this morning, Merck and LOGI Logitech. That one did not hit its price target or entry objective it's off the board. It's a no trade. Merck, on the other hand, did hit its entry objective, not in the manner in which is perfect, but you could see here the first number did work for the minimum required base hit. It's all you really got. The high here was 76.13. From an entry of 75.58, it's kind of on the bubble. They trended sideways for a while. They had a cup of coffee. What does that tell you? It tells you they want to go to another price, another destination. We had another number on the board, but it's close to the first number. So the meaning of that, the objective of that is 
when they're close together, it's in that morning rush hour with the market is spiking or a stock is spiking down, you can make the case for either of two numbers. Turns out the second number was important. Anyway, you can see what happened. They closed in between the two by the end of the day. Some traders took the first number. Some traders didn't. Trader's choice. By the time it got to the second number in the afternoon, you're not interested in that anymore. This is a morning-rich business. Now, what's going on over in Camp IWM? You had a nice dead cap bounce in the SPY up one and a third percent, yet the IWM is basically flat to a rounding error. I'll tell you this, from a time perspective and a price in terms of where it is on the chart perspective, the IWM has to get going and it's sooner than later in the northern direction or this thing is going to run a test of Friday's low and it's susceptible to fail. No two questions about it. The IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator. They're hovering around the convergence of these moving averages on the daily chart. This is the last effort on the daily chart. The 100 and 200 period moving averages. Give those up one more time. This would be the third close below. And the odds grow or the evidence mounts for lower sooner than later. Here, it's also a different scenario on the weekly chart They gave up this breakup candle low. Last week, they closed below it, but into these moving averages. Can they have a rescue operation at the moving averages? Sure they can. We're no longer worried about that breakup candle low. It didn't hold. They closed below it. So our thing is, it could have been and would have been bullish if they stayed above. Closing below, generally speaking, will release the same energy that would have been released in the northern direction In the southern direction, did they already do that into the moving averages? We're just worried about now staying above or below the convergence of these moving averages on a weekly basis. That's a big spot. And tomorrow, Tuesday, is the end of the month of November, and we have a tail candle on our hands, a potential, and I say potential failure on our hands, because yes, we have a tail, but we still really have this going on. Maybe it's a failed breakout, but maybe they try again. We don't know. We take it one step at a time. This is a monthly chart, so these things take a long time to materialize. We do have a tail, but they also have a long-standing eat-your-time-off-the-clock consolidation thing going on, bullish flaggish pattern thing going on on the monthly chart. You have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes Both things exist. One will prevail and one will fail. Net-net, they're running out of time. They have to get going sooner than later in the northern direction to rescue this thing. IWM, my favorite market-leading indicator. So this is also a growth index. Money not running into here today, but they were running into the queues, the folks out in Silicon Valley, which we'll get to in a moment. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Similar story here. Not really, and this is the IYT, not the actual transportation average. That was up a little more today. Again, I'm using the IYT over the actual transport average because it got a little skewed with that car thing going on, C-A-R, Avis budget. So here, they started to bounce like the SPY, for example, and then they ended up failing... It's my second favorite market-leading indicator. 
a number one canary in the coal mine, the actual transportation index, TRAN or DJT, was up just short of 1% today, not too bad, but this thing, the IYT, was basically flat to a rounding error. It's interesting, I got my eye on the whole thing. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley, the Q people? So this is a bullish chart. They got below the 20-period moving average on Friday, and last week closed below it. However, right back above it this week, the trend is your friend until she throws your crap out the window. In this market, you kind of showed up as she was throwing your crap out the window and stopped the process. Technically, and this applies to other markets as well, this is your high, and a trader can be short against that high if they close above that high on a daily chart, you get out of the trade, it's wrong, you lose small and fast, you don't short it first thing in the morning, tomorrow, on Tuesday, but if they're pushing higher, they start getting a 403.5 to 405 in that zone, that's a reasonable short against the old high. I'm just saying. What about the financials? Not much of a bounce here either. Up four-tenths of 1%, but what they could be doing is one of these routines. You have a low, but then you put in one of these bearish wedge patterns. Maybe they fill the gap up here. Maybe they don't. Maybe they do this kind of deal, and they have another leg lower. So that would be an A, B, C type of move. We've seen that over and over and over again. We don't know that is the case. It's a possibility it is the case. From a weekly chart perspective, they're riding the weekly 20-period moving average. Get below and start closing the week or any weeks below the 20-period moving average, and guess what? There's trouble in the financial paradise. Smash Mouth, big bounce along with the rest of the tech space today, up almost 4%, 12 bucks. It's kind of like nothing really happened on Friday, and this thing's a lot higher than it was even the day before. Nothing wrong over in Smash Mouth camp. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.